What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. into this episode of bare bones as always i am mason west and that's not danny Meehan. that's taylor doll hey. taylor how you doing hey good how are you doing not too bad you know thursday yeah. feeling pretty good work week's ending but yeah. you and i were kind of just talking not super pumped about how this weekend might <laughs> hold yeah and that's why i think that like so badly a lot of people wanted to just like own that green bay game because at least if the next few weeks, which obviously this, the matchup and we'll get to that isn't ideal. And then Kansas city after that, not ideal. Um, so not, not the best way to start the season, but hopefully we can find some things today to talk about that are positive. And that's the biggest thing. Like, it was funny. I was doing my notes and I did them back on Tuesday cause I had some free time and I went back over them today and I was like, Oh, I was in a pissy mood about <laughs> looking ahead. I need to change some of this. So I, I adjusted a little bit of it. I mean, it's still not like exactly super pumped, but like yeah. it's better than it was on Tuesday. Yeah, that's a, it's funny because we had like I have a Bears group that I watched the games with here in Jacksonville. And there was honestly like some games, five, six people show up this last game. Everyone was pumped. So there was literally almost like 50 people there to watch the Bears game here in Jacks. And one of the guys at one point was like, I'm done with Justin Fields. Like, I, I'm giving up. I don't have any hope anymore. And he texted me the next morning. He's like, I was lying. I was upset. <laughs> like, I'm not there yet. And I was like, okay. Well, let's see if we can have a couple of things that we like you said, we can give uh, people some hope. So first section, chart review. This is where we are going to go back to that game. A couple of things looking ahead that we think are going to be kind of important. Is there anything that jumps off the page at you? Yeah, I think uh, the main one that pops off to me is put Roshan in the game more. <laughs> and I, I immediately, I kept asking the whole time. I was like, why are they not putting Rojo in this game? Like, clearly, I, I love Cleo Herbert. I'm a Herbert fan. But there's certain moments where you know that he is not the top tier at certain situations when it comes to him being on the football field. And you have this young rookie that everyone has been super hyped about. And the, the word around nationally the word around bears is that like this guy could potentially be your number one running back at a certain point in this season and that's how hyped up he's been um so why are you waiting when nothing else was happening and i think that's one main thing that kind of jumped out to me was roshan um two other things i just think one of the our biggest concerns this whole offseason has been the defensive line and obviously that didn't show us much of anything but what we did see was that justin jones looked like he was pretty much invisible um they were doubling demarcus walker a ton especially when he was on the inside so that was kind of he wasn't able to do a whole lot i want to see more of javon dexter and zach pickens this week i think when we've seen glimpses of them they were able to pop now is that going to change the defensive line i don't think so drastically but i do think that maybe changing this rotation up a little bit and throwing some guys up there with a little more fire under them may add something I love what you said about Roshan there because not just because I have some fantasy football stock on him, but also because like you said, you know, he was hyped up maybe a little more than he should have been over the summer as a fourth round pick, but he showed, right. There was some juice. There was energy, not to steal cool Herbert's name of juice, 
but when he was out there, um, one of the, if you watch JTO Sullivan in QB school, he did a great breakdown of really the whole offense. But one thing he highlighted was when Justin threw that pick, uh, Roshan was trying to make the tackle, didn't get there, but he still was one of the people that still almost made the tackle right before the end zone while there yeah. was some other players who didn't quite get there. So more Rojo would absolutely yes. love it. Yes. And Justin Jones was, like you said, almost invisible and disappointing because he actually mm-hmm. last year was kind of the bright spot in terms of yeah. the D-line. I mean, not a high bar because the D-line wasn't great. Um, for me, like going forward, and I think this is actually going to, I might as well move forward into the Mike and Cuss corner, basically something that was really confusing. For me, one of the biggest things was the inactive decisions. and. Yeah. In terms of the game plan, you know, why if you're already going to do a horizontal pass game, which is fine. And actually, this game would be upcoming would be good because the Bucks blitz a lot. So actually, screens yeah. would be good. Um, yeah. Why did you have Equinemia St. Brown inactive? What are your yeah. best blockers? You know, Cole Komet was basically Swiss cheese out there. Um, if Tyler Scott's only going to get 13 snaps, run 10 routes, see one target, which was basically a check down. You know, why is, was he out there or why not give him more snaps to spell? Some of your mm-hmm. wide receivers, which actually Ty Tolbert said today that he wished he had played him more. I would yeah. almost say let Bayless Jones get some run in there just because at least the gadgets you know are going to have some pop to them and at least you can get them out quickly. So yeah. th- just the decision-making was very confusing for me. I didn't necessarily yeah. understand what was going on there. I agree, I think. And that was like literally my first sentence of this one of the concussed corner was like decision-making and it goes on all levels because I felt like there were so many moments in this game where I was just like, and like you said, from the start with Equinemius not being there, because all we've talked about, like you sign him to a contract after last season when people kind of like threw a fit over it, but not realizing how how good and how beneficial he was in that in that aspect of blocking. But then you see, why are we throwing the ball to Glassing Game more than we are to DJ Moore? I'm wondering that too. I love I love fullbacks. I want to see him out there. And I, I we saw a lot of po- positive plays last year when he was on the field, but he shouldn't be the receiver catching the ball more than your number one wide, wide receiver. And so that was another one where I was like, what is going on in this game right now? And I think one of the things that really f- frustrated me that I didn't like whatsoever is the lack of discipline, it seemed like. And th- the penalties were just awful that we had. I think it was the three back to back to back pre-snap ones you are literally going the opposite way on the football field from what you actually need to do and you could tell people kind of complained about how Justin Fields was kind of sitting on the bench and looking a little pouty but that has to be so frustrating when you're sitting there you feel like you're getting a little bit of momentum and things are looking up positively at least the slightest and then you're constantly having to go backwards so I think between the decision making, play calling, and for me, just that that lack of discipline, I hope that's something they really majorly focus on this week. I'm glad you brought that up, the the discipline part, because when you think about Matt Eberflus, why was he brought here? You know, what does he do well? And in theory, it's creating a a lot out of a little, you know, in terms of the defense and to be right that CEO of the team and goes back to the hits principle and what the S stand for is smart. There was very little that was smart about that game. And if yeah. you can't create that discipline as Matt Eberflus, kind of what are you doing here, right? That's what yeah. you need. That's that's his role as that CEO of the team. Uh, yeah. And that's frustrating. And yeah. like, you, like you brought up as well, too, going to Justin and, you know, people were in, why are you pouting on the bench? I wish there was a camera in, like, you know, most people's jobs <laughs> when you're having a rough day, what that looks like. Yeah. It's tough when you go out oh. there, how as hyped as this game was, and to – Yes, at one point the score wasn't necessarily out of hand, but it felt out of hand even early on. So yeah, uh, yeah, we got to yeah, give I, these guys a little slack. Yeah, because I think that, like you said, you feel like the Packers' first drive goes to a touchdown. And granted, you give them really good field position because they were trying to be a little gutsy. And so you felt like that is kind of how the game would gonna, was going to go. You were like, okay, well – you know, Fluce is being aggressive. They're going to get down the field. We didn't quite do it on the first drive, but it'll keep going. And it was almost like he completely flipped and was like, never mind, we're not going to do that for the rest of the game because that kind of bit, you know, snapped back at us. But I kind of wish they would have. Like, I wish they would have been a little more aggressive because I felt like so many moments there was a lot of timidness and that doesn't go not just play calling. Justin, too. There was a lot of moments where I was like waiting for Justin to throw the ball certain times. And this is one of the negatives that surround him is the anticipation and something he – um, has to still continue to work on. But you mentioned the Flus being that that guy, the CEO type guy. And 
there's a lot of criticism when the Bears hired Flus because he's a defensive minded coordinator. And they're like, when you look, I mean, the coach, and when you look around the league, a lot of the guys that are super successful right now are offensive minded coaches. And the reason your excuse was that was, well, this is what he does. Like he can make a lot out of a little. He can really like discipline these guys and get these guys on the right track. And the rest is kind of up to Alan Williams and Luke Getze. And it looked like maybe he did that and it it didn't pan out the way it was supposed to pan out. So maybe Flus will take a little more control this week and put his foot down because it didn't seem like it was there much at all. Well, starting to look ahead a little bit at next week, now that we got all that out of our system, hopefully some better stuff ahead. We do going to look at our training room roundup, just some of the injuries. One thing that isn't listed specifically here is the fact that Kyler Gordon is going to go on IR with that hand fracture. Um, I tweeted out earlier in the week what that might look like. Um, and I said that if it was a metacarbal fracture, usually average return to play is around 21 days. So right kind of like the more palm aspect of your hand versus mm-hmm. phalangeal fingers, that's going to be more 30 days. Um, some people are asking, hey, could he play with the club? I mean, could he? Yes. Right. You wrap it up. And but how effective really are you going to be at corner with a club on yeah. your hand? Um, you're not going to get full extension to get pass breakups. Catching is much more difficult. Uh, all that's real funky. So. And also you're, you're potentially hurting him long-term because you yeah. are stressing out that hand. So yeah. Kyler Gordon, IR, it's the right call for the longevity of this team, one of your better young players. Uh, but that brings me to the question, what do you think? Because you see up here, Josh Blackwell didn't participate with the hamstring. If he can't go, are you looking at Greg Stroman? Are you looking at Terrell Lewis? Uh, yeah, I, oh, this is, con- excuse me, sorry. This is concerning to me because obviously you're facing Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, and so I would have like last, if what we had last week couldn't control that without Christian Watson and a, a Romeo, Do- young Romeo Dobbs, it's definitely concerning. And there were, there were good moments I saw really. And we'll, I think I'm mentioning him later too, but Tyreek Stevenson, there was definitely really good moments out of his game. Um, there was a couple of things he missed on, which that's going to happen. He's a rookie. Um, but I do think that he came out of the gate stronger than Kyler did last season. So that is, that makes me feel good because we did see Kyler late in the season really start to succeed. And it kind of seems like Tyreek is already out there flash making those flashes, but I'm wondering more so because I heard them ask today and Tyreek Stevenson commented on the fact that they said they asked him if he would be willing to move the slot. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's the case, if they move Terrell Smith on the outside and let Tyreek go slot. Um, I'm if obviously Blackwell is a no go because we saw glimpses of Josh Blackwell last season and he he there was flashes, very little bits of it, but you could see it a little bit. I'd be a little more confident with him um, going into that position and keeping Tyreek on the outside. But if he's not hurt, I feel like you may have to when you have that third corner out there move Tyreek on the inside. If you're looking for a silver lining there. Tyreek did play that star role at the University of Georgia. I mean, funny enough, that's one of the reasons he actually left because he didn't want to do that role. Yeah. And that's why he went to Miami. Um, But maybe some more maturity and just understanding, hey, this is short term. We need you here. Um, And so he think he can probably bop around. And so maybe they would feel that more solid of having someone like him play that. And like you said, Terrell Smith playing on the outside because they were battling for a little bit for that cornerback two position. Um, Yeah. yeah, Like you said, it's tough. Well, real quick on that note, because I actually had already talked to uh, someone that was one of Tyreek's coaches from when he was kind of going back and forth in that transition phase between Georgia and Miami. And I asked him, you know, like the reasonings of why he wanted to go to Miami because he went to high school in South Florida, too. And the two things he said was, number one, he's a big family guy. So he was like kind of getting homesick. But he also said he it was too cold for him in Athens and he wanted to go back to Miami. So those are things like I haven't posted the episode yet. I've talked to the coach and the Tyreek episode. Hopefully will come out and maybe this week when he gets a pick. Um, but I, so I've been waiting for that. But it's a couple things that stuck to me because I know a part of it was the position. But I think there were other things surrounding it. So I don't think he would be completely opposed to doing what he needs to for the team to be at least try to be successful this week. And so that's why I bring you on because you have all that great info, you know, all the interviews that you do for these players, it's top line, top notch. And actually let's take a quick break on that. So what is some of the stuff that you do do for Windy City Gridiron and all of the podcasting? Yeah. So my making monsters obviously is kind of the premise around getting to know the players behind X's and O's. 
I love football, but I love the people and I love getting to know kind of where they came from. So that's when I started it. I was like, I'm really interested to know like what, how these guys started playing quarterback or cornerback or whatever the situation may be. And so it started small and kind of grew this last year into being able to talk to a lot of high school coaches, a lot of uh, college coaches. I've talked to brothers. I've talked to dads. I've talked to uh, guys who just covered them in college. And so it's really fun. Um, and that's the main part of what I do on Windy City as those making monsters. The offseason obviously was a little different because I try to base it off games. So I'll pick a player based on their performance in a game and then go and do my making monsters episode. So in the offseason, that's not really I don't have that ability. So this offseason, I more so was getting to know all of the free agent players, possible draft prospects and then the draft prospects a little bit after too so it was really fun because I had I think I did almost like 30 podcasts on potential people the Bears could draft and so I was like so familiar with this draft that once it came I was like I'm over (laughs) draft day now like I just (laughs) have been doing this too much but it's really fun because I think it's easy to forget sometimes that these guys are they're human beings and like you just said about the Justin thing imagine someone putting a camera in your face at work when you're having a bad day um and so it's stuff like that. It's good to see how they have been from the time they're in seventh grade. And that's the Justin episode. Literally, coaches talk about seeing him for the first time in seventh grade. And it's just cool to go back to that. I'm so glad you said said that. Like you said, you know, these guys are people too. There's emotion. There's realness there. And, you know, a lot of times things that they say, things they do. I mean, it happened at a younger age. We talked slightly about what maybe with Tyreek in terms of that position change, or maybe it had nothing to do with it. Like he said, it just has to do, be by your family. I get it. Mm-hmm. I moved back here to Illinois to be by my family. So, yeah. Well, he's now very far away, though. So hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he's okay with that. And it's colder. Oh, just so much colder. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the rest of this injury report for the Bears, Dylan Cole, mm-hmm. eh, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mercedes Lewis, surprising he needs rest considering he only played four snaps. Yeah. Um, are you surprised? Because I am. I'll be yeah. honest. With you. <laughs> I thought I'm surprised that they didn't use him more. I thought they yeah. would have had a lot more two tight end sets. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. See, another question. Let's go back up to like, what the heck? Why weren't we doing this? I truly didn't. I didn't know he played. Was he on the injury report last week, or was he just on there for a rest day too? Rest day as well. Okay, gotcha. Because I remember seeing it pop up and I thought that it was like an injury thing. I think I just glanced and maybe misread it. And so I didn't even know he was playing Sunday. And that shows how much he was out there. <laughs> and, and I, my impression when he was brought in was, hey, we need that blocking tight end. Yes. Because Cole Komet is Not. average to subpar <laughs> on that. Robert Tanyan, same thing. We saw that actually there was a play. He just blew a block um, on a pretty, on a cornerback last week. Um, yeah. You thought Mercedes Lewis would be that role, but it just wasn't in the cards. Uh, I would, would you expect him to get more snaps or do you think he's still going to be in that four to five snap range? I would hope so. If they go back and they're watching the same tape that all of us have seen this year. I mean, this last week and how that, how many blocks were missed. And when you just can directly point to what was happening with Cole Komet and Robert Tanya, and you have to have that, that extra tight end out there. And I even, I've seen so many people talking about this week too, of, having that's another reason to have Roshan out there to have that extra blocker in certain situations too because then what you saw with that offensive line last week is not going to cut it and whatever extra you can throw out there to help Braxton on one side or whoever you need to throw because I feel like Darnell Wright kind of handled himself for most of the time but Braxton not so much in certain situations so that was an issue with last year too is normally you throw those guys you throw the chip help out on the on the right side but they had to do it a lot on the left side for uh, for Braxton last year, that was one of the things that Olin Kreutz told me, and I didn't really notice because I'm not the like offensive line guru, but yeah. he was the one that was like, normally that doesn't happen, but they're giving him a whole lot of help. Uh, so it's interesting that they didn't feel like they needed to continue that. So hopefully they saw from last week that they do. And moving on to the Buccaneers, actually a couple that do stand out here, specifically Carlton Davis with what I assume is toe. They just wrote two a toe injury as he <laughs> participated the last two days. And then Kalijah Kansi, rookie defensive tackle, someone who I was pretty high on coming out of Pittsburgh, I believe, uh, def- did not participate the last two days. How big would it be that one of their starting corners and their young rookie, uh, their young rookie defensive tackle couldn't go? I think it's big. I think it's big, honestly, that especially that corner, because there was a lot of questions around the Bucks secondary anyways this whole offseason. And last year you saw their defense already kind of start to hit a, a decline. 
And so this year, that was one of the things, this off season is one of the things that they needed to address. So having somebody like Kalijah, who they are counting on being a, a pretty solid role on their defense. And then that corner that they are already kind of lacking um, in, in certain areas. I mean, I think good for us, but they're probably really hoping that these guys are not, what is it full? They didn't practice at all. Okay. Both. Of them. Oh, limited for Kalijah or did not. Oh, Kalijah and Carlton both did not participate both did in not. the last two okay. days. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's definitely beneficial for us. How beneficial I don't know, just because I, I think when you are counting on the young guys, I don't know how much he's making an impact right away. But I do think in the secondary wise, it, it will. Um, that one, I think, would help the Bears a ton. Absolutely. And one to highlight, I mean, the fact that they have Baker on here, full participant the last two days with the right shoulder. It's just one of those things where, yeah, sure, he might be a full participant right now. But if you can hopefully somehow possibly create some type of pass rush and get yeah. to him and bother him that shoulder might pop up as an issue. Yeah. So just something to note. Yeah, somehow if we figure it out. But we're going to take a quick break here and do a ad read because that's what keeps the show going. Ads, yay. <laughs> so it's time to talk Achilles ankle repair. The first thing to hit the ground when you play most sports is your foot. So why isn't your foot and ankle strength a priority for you? Achilles was created by founder Trey Villarreal and co-founder Eric Slosberg to give every athlete the advantage to perform with confidence and allow them to play 100% even after suffering serious injuries. Sounds like Kalijah Kansi could use this. It is trusted <laughs> by collegiate and professional teams all over the nation. The Achilles has been shown to increase muscle development by as much as 320% in the lower leg muscles. I actually use this myself for my ankle strength, but also with a lot of my lower extremity athletes. Often transitioning from table exercises to functional movements and standing can be hard due to ankle weakness. Traditional bands are too weak, and many standing balance exercises are too hard. Achilles bridges the gap by bulletproofing the ankles and knees. It can be used for rehab, injury prevention, overall strengthening, and so it's great for the clinic, the gym, or the home. Want to see an action? You should head to their Instagram, Achilles underscore nation, or my own personal page, PT. Then go to ankleRepair.com in order to order yours and use code NATION for free shipping until October, October 1st. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Sweet. Super easy. Hmm. Now we move on to our knee jerk reaction. So this is a hot take going into next week. Taylor, what makes your knee jerk? Um, well, really quick, back to your ad, because I'm not going to mention, but it sounds like Aaron Rodgers probably needed that also. <laughs> a little help with that one. It seems like we all um, need a little bit of an ankle, ankle yeah. something, right? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I think my, I guess my hot take for this is going to be that Tyreek Stevenson is going to really have one of his first breakout games. I think that, and I mentioned doing an interview with one of his former coaches and that coach, one of the things he said about Tyreek is that he is one of those players that excels and plays best when it is a situation where it's a lot of pressure and you kind of have to, and he just lost one of, he just lost one of his guys. He just lost Kyler Gordon to injury for four weeks minimum. And I think it really is a moment to where, wherever they end up playing him, like we mentioned, if he, they move him into slaughter, if they do keep him out in corner, I do think it's a it's perfect opportunity for Tyreek to kind of be like, okay, like I can make this, I can, me and Jalen can do this and we can make this kind of like our secondary and our thing. I know I'm a rookie, but I'm coming in here to fight. So my kind of hot take is that we're going to see even more next, not saying maybe his full breakout game, because I'm expecting that a little late, later in the season, but at several moments this game where we're like, okay, like this kid's going to be good. And I think we saw bits of that all summer, right? Whether it was in yeah. training camp, you hear about the chippiness, you hear, you know, him getting into stuff. We saw a little too much of it in some of the preseason games where he drew some yeah. penalties. But, yeah. you know, when you have a game like you did against Green Bay as an offense and a defense specifically, some you really want a guy like that, or at least I would. Yeah. And I think also when you're looking at, you're going from 
pretty much getting embarrassed against wide receivers that everyone was like, okay, well, they don't even have Christian Watson last week. And Romeo Dobbs is like an okay. And it's Jordan Love. And then now you're going against a guy who, yes, it's Baker Mayfield, but it's two guys in Chris Evans. I mean, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin that have proven themselves in the NFL. So this is like that extra notch, a little carry a chip on your shoulder type of situation. And he has the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. So my knee-jerk reaction is, and I think a lot of people are in the same one, uh, unfortunately, is that both Luke Getzey and Alan Williams are currently on my hot seat, but I expect them to craft a better game plan against the Bucks, specifically because it was bad on both sides. And so I truly believe that they're both going to pull out all the stops in order to not get embarrassed like they did the last week and to not be questioned as much as they were. You know, I said since last year personally that I thought Luke Getze's play calling was a bit suspect. You know, mm-hmm. I was always told, you no, know, it was because of the personnel. And we kind of, we saw the same thing as we did at the beginning of last year. Yeah. Uh, the personnel is better, yet we have a game that's full of wide receiver screens, that's full mm-hmm. of run, run, pass, one quarterback design run, which makes no sense to me. A game yeah. where DJ Moore had two targets two catches and then was taken out when they got out oh, red zone. Yeah. That Fluce didn't even have an answer for. I want, I yeah. need a better answer than that. A very non-answer, <laughs> a very political answer by Fluce there. Yeah. Uh, and then as for the defense, kind of the same thing. Andrew Billings was a beast all game. And he's like the only person on tape that I really enjoyed watching for that defense. Yeah. And then he wasn't in, in the red zone. Now I get there's yeah. rotation guys get tired, especially, I mean, Billings is a big dude. Yeah. Maybe. But there's a point where it's like, look, screw the rotation. We need you in there. Uh, Have your best player on the field when you're in scoring situations. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I truly hope that they have a similar knee-jerk reaction and go 180 with a lot of the decisions that they made in that previous week. I like that one. I like that. I, I think that, yeah, it's. I've been trying not to be on the full panic mode yet of like fire people we need this we need this but it's just also you get to the point where like you said there were it took six seven weeks last year for us to feel like the offense was doing anything and that lasted four or five weeks and then died again and it it can't do that it can't be so like fluctuated and counting on justin to make miracles happen every single game you need a game plan that they that you now have weapons to do so also so you need a game plan and build around your guys, DJ Moore. And like you said, don't take him out after he catches the ball twice. <laughs> Just like you said at the top of the show, odd, odd decisions. Yeah. Uh, so continuing that, what would you like to, to be a perfectly honest about going into this game? Um, so I just want to, at this point, throw the entire offensive line away, except for Darnell Wright. And that's how my feelings are. Um, my brutally honest opinion about the offensive line because I have been like hyping them up all off season. Granted, I know Tevin's hurt. It's not the line that we were like fully expecting to have week one. Um, I get that. And I do think that Tevin on the interior would already make a, a pretty big difference, especially standing by Braxton. But I just feel like when you were watching Nate Davis didn't practice all off season, just standing along, laughing on the sideline, shaking hands with Debra Flus, and then he looked okay in the first half. In the first half, all right. Second half, he looked like he couldn't breathe, like he was bending over, dying every other time he looked at him because he couldn't catch his breath. It looked like can't have that. Like that's what preseason uh, practice is for. That's what you're like you're conditioning to get to this point. Um, so that was frustrating for me. Lucas Patrick, I just truly keep kind of joking about how he's a spy for Green Bay because at this point I just he what has he done? Nothing. He's been hurt and then when he's in it just looks like people are running all over him. Uh way too many penalties on the offensive line. Can't have that. I mentioned that earlier too. I think I did like I said, I, I'm okay with Darnell Wright. He's allowed to stay for a little bit in my opinion. <laughs> um and then I think that white hair is just white hair. He has good plays, he has bad plays. He's always gonna be kind of just one of those mid guys to me personally. And then Braxton can't. He was running around lost in the middle of the field on one vi- one of the clips that went. Don't even know what he was trying to do. It reminded me of Mustafer on the one play last year where he was just running down the field and everyone's like, where's, <laughs> yeah. where is he going? And then penalty, I think he had one or two penalties on him. Braxton can't have those things. So to me, this offensive line, I hope that this week they were like, guys, this, this isn't going to cut it. Worst case, let's put Feeney in at center and hope that he can do better than Lucas Patrick because at this point I literally have no confidence in him. 
I mean, Patrick's snaps too were were all over the place. That wasn't even consistent. But it's funny that you went O line because I did the exact same thing. My really <laughs> honest take is that I'm terrified of this Buccaneers front. Yeah. Partially because what you said, how terrible the line was, uh, the offensive line. You know, if you look at PFF, which I lean on PFF ratings specifically for O line because, like you even said, I'm not necessarily a great offensive line assessor. Which it's not hard to assess how bad this O line was, but yeah. <laughs> if you go from left to right. Right, Braxton had a 62, Whitehair 47, Patrick 43, Davis 48, Wright 72. So Wright, again, like what you said, Wright's the only like person that really did anything. Yeah. If you go to pass blocking specifically, everything kind of drops even more. 52, 50 uh, in the interior, 26.8 for Nate Davis. Ugh, disgusting. 26. Like, come on, guy. 20, You've been you got to be bad. <laughs> You've been in the league too long for that to happen. Exactly. But if you flip to the Tampa side, you have Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, Kalaja Kansi, and Joe Tryon, Shoyinka. I mean, I butchered that name, but I did the best I could. It's if you look at their defensive ratings, they were at 73.2, 75.8, 59.2. Kalaja, you know, had a little injury bug going on there. And then yeah. 70.1. So, and even if you just, I think Vita Vea, just looking at him, he's going to eat up Lucas Patrick and Nate Davis alive specifically. So I am, yeah. to be honest, I am scared of what that's going to look like. <laughs> me too and i went to the i was at the last the bucks game where we just got absolutely stomped and the whole it was vita vea every two seconds i looked up vita vea was just ta- tackling justin field somewhere on the field and i was like how does this just keep happening over and over again so yeah that's going to be a major test is going up against someone like that and obviously you name those other lines the collage thing that's why i said maybe potentially that'll take a little bit off of it but i don't know how much well, something a little humorous uh, that we can look at. I looked at uh, Next Gen Stats, a couple of things that it's so sad, so it's funny kind of a thing, I guess, is if you look at the bottom three average intended air yards, you had the worst is Desmond Ritter at three, Justin Fields at 3.3, and Zach Wilson at 4.3. If you compare that to the top three at 12, 11, and 11, that's Derek Carr, Tua, and Watson. Pretty significant aggressiveness percent. Justin ranks low in aggressive throws. And then if you look at air yards to the sticks, basically how far average the throw was behind the first down marker, again, bottom three were Desmond Ritter at negative 8.1, Justin Fields at negative 6.9, and Zach Wilson at negative 5.6. Long story short, just all that horizontal throws didn't result in anything, any positive stuff. We know this, we saw this, but when you look at it in those numbers, it's kind of funny how bad it is. Yeah, the and it's kind of funny also how bad the third down defense was and the third down offense was. It was just those were some of the things that were frustrating me. I just felt like every time we were in a third and I think I remember looking up at one point it was like third and 12 and they threw a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. And then Green Bay, when they had whatever it was, it could be a third and 16 and somehow they were converting that. So those are. That's another kind of in your realm of these statistics that are not funny, but funny. Um, my kind of humorous thing that I was going to do was more along the lines. And you went on your rant about Luke Getzey possibly being on the hot seat. And I made a joke about Lucas Patrick being a possible spy for Green Bay. But I tweeted it earlier. Like, honestly, when do we start thinking about this? Of like, are they here? Did Le- did Lafleur send them and be like, <laughs> go sabotage the bears and luke getsy knows that equinemius isn't going to help so he's like you're not playing <laughs> you're not taking this the longest of cons by by the pack by the packers <laughs> just keep continuing hurting us they just figure out ways inside and out <laughs> so now we transition what you need to know just basically some storyline stats for the game buccaneers beat the vikings last week 20 to 17 Baker threw for 173 yards and two touchdowns with a 61% completion percentage, and Bucks were able to rush for 73 yards, led by Rashad White with 39. Defensively, the Bucks allowed 344 yards and two passing touchdowns to Kirk Cousins, but Kirk went full Kirk mode and had an interception and two fumbles. They also held the Vikings to 41 yards on the ground. No more Dalvin Cook. You're stuck with Alexander Madison and company. But yeah. the thing I think that's important is that the Bucks blitzed a lot with some exotic looks and played a lot of zone and they were in zone 85.7% of the time. What does that mean for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that when we're looking at these, first of all, I that 
watching that run game for the Vikings was just like wild to see because I feel like they were honestly for some reason were a little confident that it would just like still work with Alexander mm-hmm. Madison. Didn't look like it's going to at all. But yeah, I, I think that when you go, I unfortunately didn't really get to watch much of the Bucks Vikings game. So I didn't get to see like on hand what was going on. I just remember kind of looking at the stats later. I was like, wow, Bucks beat the Vikings. And then when I was looking at Baker, everyone was like, man, like Baker kind of Baker kind of went off. And I was looking at his numbers like Baker didn't really go off like they just he did just enough. Um, so that's the kind of thing that I, it makes me think about this week is obviously the Bucks can win doing just enough. If you are if you have an offense that is not balanced enough and that's what the bears have to figure out is i know they want to use their run game and that was an issue in a lot of the games last year but you have to come to some point where you trust justin and you have to trust him to throw the ball you have to trust him to throw deep balls his deep ball is actually that that pass to mooney was absolutely beautiful in the end zone i don't understand why you wouldn't go to more more to that um but like you said the blitz is terrifying to me because just the way the line looked this last week but i do think you have way too many options with Justin being able to run with a run game that should be actual pretty beneficial, especially if you use Roshan and then adding DJ Moore and Darnell looking like Darnell was able to do in glimpses last week. You have a three headed monster. You just have to figure out the right way to do it in the right balance. And I just don't feel like the Vikings have that anymore. And that's why I'm very suspect of their season in general. But when it comes to Tampa, do they have that? Do they have the ability to really make the Bears have to focus in on one thing and be able to do a, a lot of other things? And that's what Green Bay did to us. So I think that's kind of what focus, like where my mind goes for this game. I think I have to keep reminding myself, too, that to not fall under the week one spell where crazy yeah. stuff happens because it's kind of preseason extended. Yeah. Where going into this season, what was your impression of the Bucks? It was that they might be trying to get a quarterback, <laughs> but they're yeah. doing a bad job of it. Yeah. And one game against the Vikings where Kirk handed them the ball three separate times and they still right ended up barely beating them. Yeah. Should still make you feel okay as a Bears fan. And yes, they blitz a lot, but you know that going into it. So are you going to maybe have a Mercedes Lewis or Roshan Johnson, people who are going to actually be able to block more? And yes, they play a lot of zone, but you should know that because playing man against Justin Fields is stupid. You should not turn yeah. your back to Justin Fields. He's going to run on you. So yeah. you're you're hoping that it's it's just Vikings being Vikings. And yeah. like we talked about, a lot of their uh, wins last year, that coin flip, one possession game magic has kind of worn off. And that you can take advantage of the fact that if you can pressure Baker, and that's a big if, because again, we've talked about pass rush, yada, yada, yeah. yada. Can he get the ball into the hands of your Mike Evans and your Chris Godwins? Because their run game is suspect. Yeah. And I think just to that first week one thing, I mean, the Bears beat the 49ers in week one last season, and we saw how the rest of the year went. So that's why I've also been trying to calm myself down. Um, I do think that from what people are probably looking at last year from the Bears, too, when they're game planning, because we mentioned that gap of time last season where the offense kind of looked like they were finally figuring things out. And a lot of it was teams were having to have a spy on Justin. Once you have to have a spy on a quarterback that really does take away other opportunities and other that guy from being able to do the thing he was like probably supposed to be on the field for. So we need to get people scared of that again. You need to get people scared that Justin's going to take off and Justin will use his legs. And when you design one quarterback run, that's not going to happen. That's not going to scare anybody. Um, another thing, I guess, when you're talking about stats that are not in Bears' favor, at least in this example, is they haven't won in Tampa since 2015. They've also been outscored 103 to 20 in the last three games that they have played there. So it's just one of those things where, in my head, if you're a football team that feels like you're on the up and you really are trying to turn a corner and change the feel of the organization and start winning football games consistently. These are the type of games you need to win because these are the ones that you finally get to check off your box of, okay, you haven't won in X amount of years. You've been outscored this amount of times you haven't. And every team has those things like can't win on the West coast or can't win this. The bears have a long list of those right now because they've had a lot of losing. Once you start checking off those streaks, that's when momentum for me really starts to pick up and you start feeling like this team is at least beginning to turn a corner. So until we can win game until we can beat the Packers or win against a team on the road that we haven't been able to in eight years. I, I'm not believing that they're changing. So if something like this starts to shift a little bit, that's when you can start to breathe a little, I think. I think it's a really good point. You got to start checking off some of those boxes or else what are you doing? Yeah. So now we're going to move on to our love it, hate it, 
rehabilitate it, where we <laughs> look at a matchup or a factor that we love, something that we hate, and something that we'd want to fix. So Taylor, what do you love about this matchup for the Bears? Question mark. I know, and I think people are gonna like judge me a little bit for this, but listen, like let me get through it. Um, but I'm I'm loving the run game against this defense. Uh, the the Bucks defense last year actually struggled. There were games where they were really, really good against the run, and then there were games where they just allowed a ton of rushing yards, and they were very inconsistent. It was a lot of up and downs. They kind of sat in the middle of the pack when it came to rushing yards allowed, rushing touchdowns allowed, all of those things. And I do think that because they don't want to be in that situation because the secondary is kind of lacking. They don't want to be in that situation where Justin can just toss it down the field all day long to DJ Moore that they they might take a little bit off of that focusing on the run game as much. And like I said, because Justin didn't use his legs last last week, but I do feel like we're going to see Roshan more. I do hope that we are going to see Justin use his legs more. And because of that, I do think it's going to be able to open up the run game. Um, especially, uh, like I said, against a defense who was in the uh, full on. I think they were like 15th when it came to run defense last year. And we're now looking at a defensive lineman who potentially has an injury, too. So how much does that affect it? Um, so that's going to be my love. It's a very hesitant love, but that's where I'm going. You were much more optimistic than I was. and I appreciate that because we need that right now. Um, <laughs> my love is I love that it's an underdog story right now. Okay. I love, because I think you have guys, you mentioned Tyreek Stevenson earlier. Uh -huh. I think the way that Justin operates, just from when I have had opportunity to talk to him, what we've seen from him, guys like a Darnell Moody, who just are grinders and work out. Uh, Demarcus yeah. Walker uh, falls into this category too, that when you, that it's a kind of a team that when you see all that whiteboard fodder that's, that's out there right now, there's a certain mood in the building. And yeah. that can really versus like a Buccaneers team coming off a win. We're feeling good. All right. The Bears, yeah. you know, they're coming off this terrible loss. Is there a, just a mentality difference there? And can you use that to your advantage and maybe catch them by surprise a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a good way to look at it because yeah, we don't have a lot of positives to take out of last week. So if you take anything, you take the fact that hopefully they come in with some fire and they come in with like, okay, we cannot, because let's be real, it's Kansas City after that. We cannot go 0-3 this season. Bears fan Brisker was already angry at us for booing. You're really going to get some boos <laughs> if it starts that way. And it looks like it did last season. I mean, last week. So my hate was the Bears pass rush versus this Buccaneers O-line. Uh, <laughs> The, the the cover two defense, right, is supposed to be bend but don't break. And it's one yeah. of those things that you're supposed to want to only rush for, get pressure with force. You can sit back, come up, make plays. And unfortunately, right now, the Bears are not creating pressure with four, but they also don't blitz. They Bears yeah. blitz on 16.7% of dropbacks, which tied for the fifth fewest in the league per true media. And you look at what the Vikings did last week. They hit, they hit Baker Mayfield twice, even though they blitzed a league high 47.4%. Which so at the end of the day, like it's not like a direct correlation, hey, pass rush equals blitz. Yeah. But when you don't have the horses, like the bears don't, you need to generate pressure from somewhere. So uh -huh. I'm concerned that it'll just be a occasional, you like we saw 16.7, maybe you bump it up to 20 or 25 percent, and you're still not able to generate that pass rush. You're not able to pressure Baker. Because while Baker is not a top 10 quarterback, He's a functional quarterback that if you give him yeah. a pocket, he will find weapons. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's honestly, it's scary because I think that Baker is one of the guys, he's not going to make a whole lot of mistakes, especially if you're giving him time and you're giving him a pocket to actually like think and feel. And the moment you start putting Baker in any situations where he's uncomfortable, he will turn the ball over. He will fumble the ball. He will start getting making those mistakes that you kind of want as you are a, for a defense. But if you don't have a defense that can get to him whatsoever, which we last week, it looked like Jordan Love had five minutes to throw the ball every time I looked up at the TV. So that is, that's definitely concerning. Um, my hate is also on there on, for their defense just because I hate the way that I see their defense swarms the ball. Um, it's very intimidating to me because they it's almost like they, they just scheme their entire defense of like find the ball, get the ball out. And whether that means Justin Fields has the ball in their, their pass rush or their blitz is getting to Justin Fields, or that means that one of the one of their other defensemen are getting to 
uh, one of your your runners, and it kind of contradicts myself now that I said my run game, but they're just those guys that they're going to find the ball wherever it is on the football field, and unfortunately, that's what ends up losing games a lot of times with those turnovers, and you just mentioned how many times the Vikings turned the ball over this last week, and that's why, because they know how to find the ball, how to locate the ball, and how to get the ball to the ground and, or in their hands. That's a fantastic one. Um, so now that you've hated enough, put your coach's cap on. What would you rehabilitate? Yeah, this one's difficult for me. I think that I, I guess the main part I was kind of going through earlier is have a game go in with this game plan where it's not as predictable. I feel like last week it was way too predictable. And if you if they can't figure out where the ball is, if they can't get to Justin Fields, if they if Justin does have some more designed runs, if you are spreading out the options of rather than like you said earlier, it's not run, run, pass every single down. And you are kind of having to make them think of what actually is going on. I feel like that's the only way you're going to get away with it because you want to try to confuse the defense as much as possible. Um, and what they were doing last year was not confusing anyone except their self themselves. Um, so let's not do that. Um, but I think that's the main thing is to switch it up this week, make it a little more aggressive, make, make it to where everybody is getting the ball on their hands at some point during this game. Mine's similar, actually. My rehabilitate was just straight up Luke Getzey play calling and overall play design. Take take a bunch of those plays that were real cutesy, you know, the Cole Komet sneak. Um, there's another play where you act, I keep picking on Cole Komet, but Cole Komet was set up uh, right at the right tackle, right next to Darnell Wright, and was set up like he was going to run a route, but then had to try to come down to the defensive end, which that's a really hard block to make, depending yeah. on how your feet are set up, you know, just things of that nature. Like, get rid of the cutesy stuff. Get your run game going, whether that's with, you know, Roshan, Quill Herbert, Deontay Foreman. We didn't even mention him. He actually ran yeah. pretty well early in the game and yeah, then kind of disappeared. Right. So get that going. Get Justin to feel some of that swagger and tell him, hey, go gunslinger. I, I think all summer what they've done from what I understand is, hey, get progression. Go one, two, three, check down. And yeah. Justin's the kind of guy he's like going to be a yes sir, no sir, that kind of a player. So yeah. he, if anything, especially due to the offensive line issues, yeah, uh, too quickly is almost going one, skip, skip, all right, check. Yeah. yeah. Tell him, hey, you know what? Rip that second one. We're okay yeah. if it's inter We're okay if it's tipped. We're okay if it's an incomplete. You know, grip it and rip it. And so yeah. that's what I'm really hoping for. Yeah. And that's what, one of the, when I did my podcast last year on Justin, his, Co both coaches that I talked to were both like his issues have never been like reading, going through and going through progressions. He's always been actually very smart when it comes to going through his progression. So like you said, maybe that's where he was last week of like just doing what coaches told him. And it was like too much so to where he wasn't being enough Justin. So more Justin this week is I guess that's one of the things we can say. More Justin being Justin. Mm -hmm. X factor for the Buccaneers. I'll go first, let you finish that sip. Chris Godwin and the slot is kind of my reasoning, right? We just talked, talked about earlier in the show how Kyle Gordon is going to be out for this four weeks, at least on IR. Josh Blackwell is very questionable with hamstring. So, you know, can, if Ty, let's say Tyreek Stevenson's in the slot, can he match up with the Godwin? And actually, now that I say that out loud, I actually really like that. That'd be a really fun matchup. Um, let that ride. But at the same time, <laughs> if, Godwin, if Godwin can get going you're right if he gets them if they get the matchups that they want that's gonna be a long day for the bears because godwin even though he's still coming off recovering to an extent yeah. from that acl you know he had a bit of a off year last year he's starting to ramp up again yeah my my x factor was just pressure justin for them because if they are getting to justin fields and we know it could be pretty easy to get to justin fields we're going to see what we saw last week and we're going to see him have to go to that check down constantly we're going to see the run the run game get shut down. We're going to see sacks. We're going to see penalties and all of those things. It's going to repeat almost identically to week one if they are able to pressure Justin the way that we were seeing it. And it doesn't always mean sacks. So like if you're even surrounding Justin when he's having to already like vacate what he was planning to do, which is a lot of the situations that he has to. Um, and we know that Justin sometimes wants to just make that big splash play. And we saw this last week when he was running and fumbling, when he fumbled. He wants to like do everything. And so the mo and it always gets to that point where when he wants to, when he's getting that pressure and he really is feel like he's getting kind of shut down and he can't make anything happen. Then he tries to make like miraculous things happen. And that's when we see fumble and interception happen. So for me, 
Tampa, if they're pressuring, it's going to end up going to maybe not right away look chaotic, but just like this last week where it will get out of our hands very quickly in the second half because Justin's going to start trying to do too much. That's such an interesting thing for a quarterback, at least I think so, where, you know, it's different than other sports. Like, let's say you're playing basketball. Like, you can take over a game just with what you do, but for a quarterback, you're – your ability to take over the game in theory is how do I get the ball into the, you know, right. My teammates, yeah. playmakers hands. Sometimes it seems like Justin, like you alluded to, it's like, oh, how do I get this, take this over? I need to take it over with my legs instead of that traditional quarterback. I need to distribute. So yeah. how do you manage that? Like be a gamer as a quarterback, not just as a baller athlete. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. X factor for bears. Mine is the weather and how they handle it. Uh, 89 degrees and raining is currently the forecast with a 72% humidity. You mentioned earlier that uh, they have lost three in a row to Tampa by a combined score of 103 to 20. How much of that's weather, how much of that's the Bears just suck. But if you go <laughs> back to 2018 when the Bears played a game in Miami, a game where Cleo Max injury escapades kind of began, not to give anyone PTSD, but the Bears lost 31 to 28 in overtime to a Brock Osweiler-led yeah. team. He threw for 380 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Frank Gore ran for 101 yards, high of 80 degrees, 73% humidity. Do bears just falter in the humidity? Is that? Is I remember. That it th- wasn't that like a last second field goal by Miami too? Ugh, that was. one hurt. And I was supposed to go to that game and I ended up like not being able to last minute. And I was so glad because all my friends that went down were coming back and they were like, that sucks so bad. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, hopefully weather's not a factor. I'll tell you one guy that will play good in weather Ty- in the weather, Tyreek Stevenson. Um, so maybe this is, like, his game to shine. We'll get a couple picks out of him. Um, and that kind of – that's what leads me to mind. I think the Bears just have to win the turnover battle. I think that if the Bears win the turnover battle, they, they can win this game um, just because – like I said, Baker doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but if you make him make mistakes, they start coming in, in clumps. And that's kind of a thing in general when, you know, you hear the defensive coaches say that a lot. Once you get one, usually a couple more come at some point. And last week we saw two turnovers when it came to Justin, the fumble and the interception. And that's when kind of things started to spiral big time. Um, I think that if you can avoid those, it you can keep it close and then you can do just enough later in the game to win it. But so – I just think that you got to, and I know it's like an obvious one to say because obviously you don't want to turn over the ball, but there's definitely been games where you can you can manage to maybe lose one or two and you still feel like there's hope. I don't feel like there's hope if we lose, if we are turning the ball over. Yeah, I think uh, Justin and uh, mm-hmm. Baker are similar where they're really, swagger is their weapon. And so mm-hmm. if you can sap that a bit from Baker and make him press, yeah. you're absolutely right. You can get, you get them in bunches. Over unders. So we're I got a couple over unders for you. I'm gonna throw and see okay. what you think. So uh going back to one of those stats I read out in terms of average intended air yards, uh Justin was in the bottom of the league at I think it was 3.3. I said um over under 5.0 average intended air yards for Justin Fields. Oh okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go over. Okay, over. I'm just I, I just think I have a feeling they're going to. Hopefully. If not, this is going to be very bad. But I have a feeling they're going to go, like, almost opposite from what they were doing last week. Yeah, just, like, really go opposite of the spectrum. Like, all right, just bombed it. Let's, <laughs> just let's, do everything let's, else different. Sticks are forward. <laughs> um, Buccaneers pressures at – how many times, sorry, are the Bears going to pressure the Buccaneers? Seven and a half. Under. Ooh, that is, that's <laughs> not good. <laughs> I uh, just feel like uh, – what, what do you know what our pressures were last week? I believe, I mean, it depends on where you look, but most places had them at five. Yeah, so I'm just going to, I'm going to keep it at that. Under. <laughs> uh, how many bear sacks will there be? Oh. 0.5 over under. I'm going to say over just because I do think Jan will get to him one or two times. Nice. There we go. At least we got something. Uh, Baker Mayfield. And there's two inter- of the pressures. <laughs> Baker Mayfield interceptions over under 0.5. Turnover battle, like you said. I'll go over. I think I'll at least throw us throw us one. Give us one, Baker. Nice. And over under DJ Moore receptions, five and a half. Man. Well, if we're basing it off last week, that's not gonna be it. But like I said, I think we're I think we're gonna hopefully see more down the field this week and especially after the criticism that they both just got of all the questions of why did DJ Moore only get 
the ball twice. I'll go over. I like we we talked about the overcorrection, and I, I think they're just going to be peppering him with the ball at this point, and just say yeah. if we're going to lose, we're not going to lose because we didn't get our prize. Well, you know, yes. n- number one wide receiver of the ball. Exactly. Yes. Game predictions. So first, of course, we got to start with this one: Chicago Bears at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks are favored by three. What are you who are you taking? So is this just like who wins money against, line right now, or we're against just uh, against the spread, three. which is three currently for the okay. Bucks? Oh man, that's hard. I'm gonna just still be try to a little optimistic and not like die from week one and say it's say the Bears. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say buccaneers right now because i'm gonna put it i'm gonna make the universe make me wrong basically okay and i'm gonna refuse to pick the bears until they give me a reason until they win until they give me a reason like hey i'm gonna pick you so i'll I'll, probably start doing that next week if we if it doesn't work this week exactly uh let's go over to the (laughs) thursday night game which will follow uh which will happen tonight after we finish here philadelphia eagles at the vikings the eagles are favored by six points yeah philly i think philly's the choice Yeah, yeah vikings just they looked bad last week, and we talked already about the luck they had the year before. Philly's just too good. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Philly didn't even play that well either. Like uh, Jalen okay. Hurts did not have a Jalen Hurts game, and so I think they will. I think he will this week. Uh, I, I would expect just from what we've seen from Jalen and that that Eagles team. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Kansas City Chiefs at Jacksonville Jaguars. Chiefs favored by three. Yeah, this one's hard. Um, obviously, this one working here. It's been a lot of chatter and close to home. I I go back to the playoffs and how the the Jags just they it was close. It was a close game, but Patrick Mahomes literally had one leg. Um, and we saw again what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs losing to the Lions last week. I don't see them doing that again, especially with Kelsey. And that, I think that's the big factor here. The big X factor for that game is how healthy is Kelsey and if he's going to be out there. Um, but just because I'm, I'm assuming that he will be, I'm going to have to go Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, Jaguars did win last week, but it was closer than the score showed. I believe they ended up winning by 10 against the Colts. Uh, yeah. Colts were in it for a while there. Um, obviously, time. Jaguars just pulled away a bit and – at the end of the day, I have a hard time picking against Patrick Mahomes, especially if it's only three points. That's kind of I know that's crazy. that's what got me. If it was like ten, I'd be like, nah, I don't know about that. Uh, we're gonna now go to the NFC North. We have the Seattle Seahawks at the Detroit Lions team uh, at minus six team that beat the Chiefs. Seahawks at Lions minus six. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go Lions. Actually, I. Seattle, I'm not a big believer in. Um, I loved Geno Smith's little fun story last season, and they have a ton of weapons. Like sev- I have several on my fantasy leagues throughout my five leagues. Um, but I just feel like I think the Lions are actually going to be pretty good this season. And until like they aren't, I'm going to keep believing that, and especially at home. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to go Detroit. I would say Detroit as well. Um <laughs> I just don't believe in the Seahawks. I was saying all offseason leading up to the draft that I think they should have used their their early pick to try to go after a quarterback because how often do you get to pick that high? Yeah. Um, and I think they made a mistake, and they're just going to be kind of that middling team that just is stuck where they're at. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay Packers at the Atlanta Falcons. Green Bay is favored right now by one and a half. I'm going Falcons. Um, uh, first of all, Bijan Robinson – I'm obsessed with him. We got like the second version of him and I love Roshan, but Bijan is just an absolute monster. And I think that I, I'm, I think they're going to be able to run all over Green Bay personally, especially him. Um, I do just think that the Atlanta offense honestly is a little, a little more dangerous than people may think. I do think it will probably take four or five weeks for it to really settle in where people are like, Oh, okay. This like, they could be pretty good. Um, I also think that that now that, people have some, a little more film on love and like what the Packers are going to do this season. They may get exposed a little bit offensively. We talked about week one overreactions and I feel like this is how it is for this game, both with the Packers beating the bears and uh-huh. the, the Falcons losing, you know, Desmond Ritter looks definitely out of sorts, but you know, 
he's he's going to improve as he gets more comfortable distributing to the, all the weapons they have. I mean, even their second running back, Tyler Algier, he, should, he could be yeah. starting for a lot of teams. Yeah. And Green Bay just went against a terrible, terrible, terrible Bears defense. <laughs> and yeah. that and they got that advantage. Um, last one here, just because we have to pay attention to this. New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers. Saints are favored. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go Saints. I think that I think that the Saints defense still has some like pretty dangerous pieces there. And Carolina's offensive line has struggled all through camp, all through preseason. And it looks like they still haven't quite figured out a way to click. Um, I'm, I'm a believer that eventually we'll start seeing some positive things out of them. But I do think just because it is a lot of youngness that it may take a little bit. Um, and I think that Derek Carr as up and down as he is, he can, he can make certain things happen. And especially in games like this, when he should, he'll, he should make it happen. Panthers got some injuries, <laughs> young quarterback, old receivers, mm-hmm. uh, questionable running back who people think is better than he really is. And I say that as a fantasy owner of Miles Sanders, I'm very disappointed. I don't know why I did that. Uh, terrible choice. <laughs> yeah. I'll take Saints as well. Coming down to the end of the show here, Coxix and bull mm-hmm. story. These are bold predictions. One offensive, one defensive, I'll go first offensively. Bears rush for over 100 yards as a team. That connects it to what Taylor talked about earlier. I think this run game is better than what we saw last week. And Justin's going to run. They're going to have more design QB runs. And I think they're going to get, hopefully, Roshan going, Khalil going, and Deontay going. Yeah, um, I guess mine's kind of similar. I've, I'm banging the table on the run game. And especially because I said I think that they do have a little bit of an advantage against this the run defense being kind of fluctuated the way that it is in Tampa. And then now the the injury possibly on the defensive line. Um, so I was going to go the same route, uh, which, so I'll just agree with you on that because that's where I was going. Well, defensively, what's a bold prediction you have? Oh, let's see. So I was kind of debating if I should go something like super crazy with the defensive line, but I think I'm just going to stick with my guy Tyreek. Um, and I think he's going to, he's going to snag one this week. He's going to get, he's going to have his first NFL pick. And, uh, I think a lot of things factor in this. And I mentioned it earlier, just like his way of playing against, uh, in moments where he has to kind of step up higher than he's maybe used to and in a role that maybe he wasn't expecting to have to, and we don't know where he's playing yet. So obviously that kind of factors into some things, but the that South Florida weather he loves. Um, he's close to home. I'm sure a lot of his family is going to be there. I see him having a, a really good game and kind of showing out there. That might be stealing money with that one. That'd be a good one. Um, I'll, I got you on the defensive line, though. I'm just going to say Zach Pickens gets a sack. Hey, I like it. <laughs> pretty, pretty crazy considering, you know, Yannick was the only one that got anywhere near Jordan Love last game. I know. I know. I would love to see Zach or Javon Dexter, one of them, get one. Like, I would just love it. Exactly. Considering their the draft pedigree, considering the need from the team, yeah. we need you to be good. That yeah. would be fantastic. Definitely. Offensive player of the game. As a reminder, you we can go either the Buccaneers or the Bears. Uh, but you know, if you go Buccaneers, then you're going to get a lot of Twitter mentions. People hate you. Just, <laughs> just as a reminder. Yeah, I'm not picking any Bucks. Um, I'm going offensively. I'm going to say Darnell Mooney. Um, I do. I mentioned a ton how I do think that Justin's going to get the ball out more. I do think they're going to load it to DJ Moore, but I do think because he's going to be doing that, they're going to have to game plan a lot around DJ Moore. We saw some double coverage last week, but I think I expect even more of that, which will give I think Darnell Mooney even more opportunity. So I'm I'm thinking um, a, a big game for Mooney this week. You sure you don't want to take Chase Claypool? You can pick him. <laughs> I do not. I do not. I don't think his mom wants to pick him right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with DJ, the low-hanging fruit of DJ Moore. You know, yeah. just feeding the guy. Carlton Davis being injured. Uh, if anything, yeah. that might help your your argument for uh, Darnell Mooney. But, you know, are, are they going to have someone follow DJ Moore? Are they just going to say, you know, have to stick to their sides? Um, we do know that they blitz a lot. So that's going to create little pockets for hopefully yep. running more than one slant in the game. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go with DJ Moore on that one. Okay. Defensive player mm-hmm. of the game. Um, I guess I still have to stick with my with Tyreek if he's going to have the the game that I'm saying he's going to get. I get. Um, I originally honestly wrote down Jalen Johnson uh, just because I do think that he also has the potential to have a really good game. But just because of the way that I think that Tyreek, with this news of Kyler Gordon coming out, um, and him, like I said, stepping into this bigger role and kind of I re- I do see him, him embracing it. Um, so I'll I'll go Tyreek. That's a good one. I'm going with uh, T.J. Edwards. 
uh, he got to play for his hometown team and got embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, it's the easiest way to put it, uh, whether it's lack of tackling or, you know, the, that ankle route that, that happened that led to uh, Aaron Jones uh, touchdown, all that. I think he shows up. Uh, we already know that the running game is not fantastic for the Bucks, so that's going to help a lot. Um, yeah. And can he right help when he drops in his own? I think he shows out after having a pretty rough outing uh, in this last week. Yeah, him and Tremaine, hopefully they both come back <laughs> and show that they are the linebackers we paid them to be. Exactly. And last but not least, King of the North, a.k.a. MVP of this game, who you got? Wow. Um, I, I think I, I'll go Justin. I'll go the obvious one, because if we are winning this game, it's because Justin's not making a lot of mistakes and Justin's finding DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney. And Justin's probably using his legs to rush for a touchdown or at least get several first downs. So I think that if the game is going the way that we plan, then we're expecting a lot of passing yards from Justin Fields and using his legs. Um, and just kind of having a better better decision making in certain situations and not being so just boring, honestly. Like, I need some more fun, Justin. It's my understanding after talking to some people who are pretty close to the situation, just mm-hmm. as, which makes sense, but I mean, Justin's pissed off. So oh, I I'm imagine sorry. he rolled into that QB meeting room, to the offensive room, and said, Look, this is how, like what we're going to be doing. And yeah. I, I think he's going to go back to, you know, college, Justin, you look, look back at the Clemson tape, right? What he was able to do there. You yeah. look at some of those games uh, from last year where he was able to really, again, like grip it and rip it. I I truly believe that they're going to say, or that they're going to let him loose in a way. Yeah. And Hey, look, we, I know we told you, this is what, how we wanted it. See the ball, see the open receiver, throw open receiver yeah. and just, and let him ride. So I'm going to say the same thing. Um, and that is the, is the answer for almost all these games, but even more something like this where, yeah. you know, backs up against the wall. Yeah, definitely. Because I think there'll, there'll be games this season when we're looking at it and you know a defense, let's say you're facing a secondary that's just like lights out and you you're you don't think they're going to throw as much and you're expecting the run game to go off, which I do expect a good run game, but I expect that run game to lead to balance. And that's why I think that it could be a successful, it could be successful for Justin if they do it in the way um, if they listen to us and game plan around what we say. Exactly. They should listen to bare bones and just say this is the game plan. I don't understand why they wouldn't. <laughs> Taylor, thank you so much for hopping on the show. It was awesome. One of the best shows we've had in a while. Um, where can people find you and your amazing content? Yeah, so at Taydoll, 1010XL is my Twitter. I obviously will constantly post stuff on there. Uh, Windy City Gridiron is, uh, you'll see it on Windy City Gridiron and Second City Gridiron. I'm kind of working on video stuff. Last year, I mainly did just audio podcasts. This year, some of mine will also be video, depending. The problem with mine, they're just so based around interviews of like college coaches and stuff. And if they have 10 minutes, I'll take what 10 minutes I can get. So that skews it a little bit. But um, so Windy City Gridiron, Second City Gridiron, Making Monsters is my podcast. So obviously you'll be able to find that on wherever you listen to them, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to find those. And if you follow me on Twitter, I will. I'm I'm usually posting optimistic stuff. Occasionally you'll get the angry Taylor and people seem to like the angry Taylor. So <laughs> gotta let angry taylor out every once in a while right <laughs> all right thanks again for everyone for tuning in uh hopefully positive things ahead uh specifically because you know i picked the bucks that means the bears are gonna win that's just how life works bear <laughs> down everybody all right thanks what does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape this is scott galloway host of the prop g podcast and an entrepreneur myself Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.